0: Welcome to the How Scary Is It podcast, podcast in which we watch some movies that may or may not be scary. We sit down in our little uh, makeshift podcasting studio, and then what do we do, Brie?
1: We tell you how scary is it. Yes,
0: we do. My name's Anthony.
1: And I'm Brie. And uh, welcome
0: to the podcast this week in which we have a kind of special podcast. event two weeks planned for everybody uh that's listening to the pod um what movie are we reviewing today
1: we're reviewing scream but not the original scream scream one billion
0: yeah uh, this one scream 2022 (laughs) not scream five which they make a joke about the title of the movie in the movie which is really funny um this has been a long time coming i think going into the scream movies a bit we have spent a lot of time on the podcast in the past year that we've been running it talking about like how scream is uh just a huge commentary and takes like all the best traits of all these 70s and 80s slasher movies and puts them together we talked about it on my bloody valentine we went into uh scream a little bit with um god what what was that movie that we watched from kevin williamson sick sick yeah I've forgettable <laughs> forgettable film um but we we were, have been talking about scream for a long time about how much we love that franchise but we wanted to take it slow and we've always wanted to not rush into another big franchise however circumstances have changed because what do we got coming out
1: we're we're gonna go see the new Scream movie, Scream Six, in um in theaters today. After we record this podcast,
0: and then we'll release that one next week. Yes, and be- hopefully give it a little bit of time to digest and marinate. Not spoil the movie the week that the movie comes out. You know, we're giving
1: um, you time. This is your warning.
0: Yes. So this is also kind of a special thing that we've been do that we're doing now because we haven't um done this before where we just dove right in the middle of a franchise. We usually start from the very beginning and work our way up to the new movie.
1: But this podcast has no rules.
0: No rules. We're ruleless. Lawless. Lawless. Yeah, thanks. For- <laughs> I've been studying up about cowboys a <laughs> lot <laughs> recently. Um <coughs> So I, I've been doing a bit of research on the American frontier and the American Old West in like the 1870s, 1880s, like Tombstone, Arizona. And um, I'm all about cowboys these days. I'm all about cowboys. Like when I'm in my drive in my car, I'm listening to cowboy music.
1: You know what I've been about? So we, Anthony and I have talked about how he's more he's more neurotypical than I am. <laughs> And I talked to him, and I was like, do you have Do you have a separate universe in your head where there's an ongoing story arc?
0: I, I heard <laughs> you say that, and I was like, what? And
1: I was like, oh, so you don't have a universe in your head with an ongoing story arc? Like, he doesn't have that ability to, like, world build in his head.
0: I have the ability to world build on paper.
1: I world build in my head. <laughs> like, I can start from scratch and world build, and, like just have us you should
0: i'm telling you man i've been trying to get like a D &D squad together for a long time i feel like you would be a really good dungeon master oh
1: yeah i can come up with anthony like in the shower i disassociate like (laughs) i'm in my i'm in the other world when i'm like in the shower when i'm laying on the couch what like just quietly when i'm like on my way to go to bed like i'm disassociating i'm like going into this other universe that i've created in my mind
0: So we're gonna get this game that I contributed to on Kickstarter called uh, "I hate the name for it, but it's so funny." VHS, very horror stories, (laughs) and it's by this Italian game company. But it's a role-playing game, like similar to D and D, but it's all based on like, um, kind of like not, not I shouldn't say knockoffs of horror movies, but like you can tell that they took a lot of inspiration from modern horror. And um, I'm, like, really excited to do it because we get to cre- kind of create our own little horror movies that are embedded within kind of the lore of whatever the people that wrote the game want the lore to be in. And I have never played a role-playing game like that before. Like, I've never played d and
1: I've never either.
0: And I've always wanted to. But I,
1: I disassociate, like, an MFR.
0: Um. So, like, I've always wanted to be a dungeon master.
1: I don't think you have the creativity for it.
0: But I kind of do play dungeon master a little bit. So, like, I, I've mentioned on the podcast before, like, I co-moderate the Model UN program at my school. And I run a Model UN class, an elective. So when we do a crisis committee, that's basically... You're basically a dungeon master when it comes to being the crisis director. So usually in that committee, you have... People that are representing characters, and then you have the chair, and then you have an entire back room that's um, running the crisis break. So every once in a while, they'll storm into the room and they'll say, Oh my God, this new issue has come into play. They'll answer some questions, and then all the delegates have to write directives addressing the issue. And the directives influence the direction of the committee. So whatever they do to respond to this crisis could influence the next crisis or the crisis after it um so when you're doing that you kind of have to be a dungeon master in the sense of like you need to know the different pathways that you can go and you need to think on the fly in terms of how is this thing going to influence the crisis so for example i wrote this big um this big crisis simulation about batman's council of villains that we've been doing in the class and um i knew that my crisis because their topic was as the Council of Villains, what do we do to corrupt Gotham's politics and uh, make sure that the public is losing support for the Batman? And so my crisis break, I knew my first one was going to be Lex Luthor coming into Gotham because I wanted the villains to be able to work with Lex Luthor to to gain his resources so that they can further push their plan uh, into motion. Now... They all have their own personal arcs that they can write to the back room. And that maybe influences crisis if it goes through. But they, um, one kid's crisis, he was Kite Man. This one kid was Kite Man. So, oh, his, I like this story his because his personal, his personal arc, he told me about it before the crisis started. And he's like, I want to kill a member of the Justice League. And I was like, I don't know if the just, we haven't really established the Justice League. And so, because I put in Lex Luthor, and they passed the, a directive named "Live Laugh Luthor," <laughs> in which they would work with him. And like, did um, so they come up with a name? They came up with a name. That's hilarious! Yeah, it's, it was awesome. I, so
1: I would like to say that sometimes the kids these days are just like so creative and funny. Mm-hmm.
0: Directive: Live Laugh Luthor. Inc- which I was that included funny. Like, on um, the fly. Included a couple bullet points of. Um, giving Lex Luthor a bit of the villain's resources in order to get his resources and in order to further research supervillain powers so that they can become stronger. And so I took influence from that and I said, okay, now you're all working with Lex Luthor and you've now attracted the attention of Superman to Gotham.
1: Oh, So
0: it was like what they did to respond to the crisis influenced what the next crisis was going to be. So at that point... The kid who is Kite Man starts seeing this as, oh my god, I actually have an opportunity to fulfill my personal arc. So now that Lex Luthor was able to give the committee his resources, they were able to extract kryptonite. And they came up with a directive in which uh, it was, I think it was called something like um, Directive Shoot for the Stars, or Shoot for the Sky. And it was to strap a bunch of kryptonite to kite man and basically have him just zoom into superman on his kite that's hilarious and and they ended up not passing it but i told the kid who was kite man who ended up coming into costume which was awesome um i was like man you were so close like if they if they had just gone with your directive you would have been the only one in class to pass their personal uh the personal arc And then there was, like, one kid whose personal arc was to end up killing Batman. And so what he wanted to do was, as Deadshot, use Kryptonite to craft a Kryptonite bullet and shoot Superman. And then, I don't know, instigate a fight or something. But I was like, man, this is, like, super creative. And I don't know. I love all this stuff this stuff and kids are so creative i know i love all, all of it so i guess the point that i was trying to make was you kind of act as a dungeon master in those types of situations but i've never actually played D&D before. closing my tabs i've never actually played dnd before but i feel like you would be really good at dnd
1: my i was talking to my therapist and i'm just like i know like it's an unhealthy coping mechanism to disassociate i was like But in my, like, universe, so I I start from scratch every couple weeks. Like, I delete it.
0: Why don't you write these things down?
1: Because, like, then it makes it not fun.
0: How do you keep track of it all?
1: I remember. (laughs) Which, Anthony's laughing to himself because I forget, like, what I I had for breakfast. (laughs) He's like, she's so forgetful.
0: Can you you give us, do you feel comfortable giving us, like, an example
1: of Something okay, so we we watch a lot of One Piece. So one of my universes is like a One Piece universe, where I am a pirate <laughs> and I ate a devil fruit.
0: What's your power?
1: My business.
0: Oh, she doesn't want. To, want I don't anything. want to
1: share it with you. Oh, okay, okay. Anyway, you got your all your characters are there, right? But then also are like your like characters from our life are in there, like my parents are there, like my parents. I was like. I don't well, you
0: know, after watching One Piece, you can't be a successful pirate if you have two parents that are living.
1: <laughs> well, I was like, I come from like, you know, an island where it was like, you know, the expectation is you get you get married and have babies. And I was like, I don't want that. I don't want that. I want to be a pirate. And then like I follow my, my love interest in my universe. He's a pirate. Is it me? I'm not Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it might be you but I'll as a like really good-looking <laughs> pirate guy and he's all like I don't want you to be a pirate. This is not a life that you will want. And I'm like yeah, I do. He's like well, you got a family here and you're going to get married to some great guy here and you're going to and I'm like no. And then he leaves to go you know, this is Pirates pirate. of the Caribbean. Listen,
0: this is uh, uh uh Orlando um God, what's his name? Orlando Bloom. Did Orlando it, Bloom's character. He and did Keira not want to. He didn't want to
1: be a pirate, though.
0: Neither did Kira Knightley's character, but she becomes a pirate. I
1: want to be a pirate in my universe, anyway. And then so what happens is he leaves because he's a pirate, right? And he comes back every like couple of months, and like just to sit like. But he's like, you "This need- is
0: do Pirates of the Caribbean."
1: Can you listen? <laughs> this is Pirates of the Caribbean. Three, my <laughs> words. But it when he goes, pirates come to our island, and you know what?
0: But you have a you have a superpower.
1: Not yet. Not yet. Okay. And the pirates come to our island, and I'm like, "This is my chance. I'm, I'm gonna get out of here." You know, they're like destroying our island. Uh, let's make a deal it's like i'll go with because i'm nobility on this island just
0: oh you're a noble
1: yeah so like i'm i'm like a princess of this island this is what that's why he's like you can't you can't become a pirate you can't leave like so it's vivi
0: you're vivi and
1: (laughs) can you listen to my story anyway so i leave i'm i'm leaving with these pirates who just so happen to be pirates we already know who are already established in a show okay and then like we were traveling the world my wanted poster comes out
0: uh, what's your Lo-
1: love interest sees it and he's like mad because like
0: what's your bounty uh
1: not very big right now because i just joined the pirate crew okay
0: and so- you got a bounty just for joining the pirate crew
1: yes okay well i did we went somewhere else and like we did shenanigans you, you roughed up some yeah we stuff. did shenams. Okay. and anyway it's a it's really fun We're right in the middle like i my next part of the arc is like getting this devil fruit and i think i've nailed it down to an existing devil fruit in the show that i would want
0: tell tell me now i'm curious
1: i, I really would like corazon's devil fruit the quiet one the quiet one and i have a reason why that's the perfect devil fruit for my character Is to be sneaky yes sneaky and what you you can make everything quiet no one will know you're there
0: okay so i will tell you that when in the show when we got to the Corazon part. And he's like, I have the power to make things yeah, very like, quiet. I was useless. like, This is a useless devil fruit. Like, but then you think and about then I it. Saw, and then when he went to steal the Ope Ope No Mi, he made everything quiet. Like nobody noticed him break into a building and like <laughs> steal something. I was like, Okay. You can break now glass, and no
1: one can hear you break or glass.
0: Or when when he hides Law and makes him quiet through the confrontation with Doflamingo, I was like, Okay, now I can understand how this can be useful, right? And right,
1: you don't even have to be near but the person But then there's like a situation when he's like trying to make
0: Law laugh and he makes like his fart quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is a useless devil fruit.
1: <laughs> I'm like, you're telling me I could freaking fart and no one would hear? <laughs> <laughs> That's Jesus. the
0: real reason <laughs> we <laughs> <Jesus>. want <it. laughs>
1: Anyway, no, I was thinking about, you know, the dog when he barks.
0: Oh my God, that would be so... So so we were talking about it, and we were saying like that power in particular.
1: Oh, the lunchroom at school would
0: be so useful for <laughs> us as teachers <laughs> to be like, everybody, shut up! Like, yeah, stop talking. You don't even have to be.
1: You don't even have to shut up. I just can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so we're we're right at the point where that's like the devil fruit I want. I'm right now. I'm part of Buggy's crew, and um, we're we're not. And he doesn't know who I am because that's like the 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 crux of this is I can't he they can't find out who I am and they can't find out who my love interest is because. Well, if
0: you're a princess, they're just going to kidnap you. And like instead of you joining the crew, they're just going to hold you for a ransom.
1: I know. So they can't know who I am. So I'm going by like a different name.
0: This D do you have do you have a D middle initial?
1: Yes, because in my world, I can be whoever I want. (laughs) Anyway.
0: She's got the will of D.
1: Um, It's really fun to world build in your head like this. And I like go on adventures and I have a lot of fun. I've been doing this as a way to of a form of escapism since I was very young. So I do think it's a it's like a trauma response and a coping mechanism. We're not going to get into that. (laughs) No, no. But But, I I feel like.
0: (laughs) This is very interesting, and I feel like you should put a pen to paper or something and, like, jot this down.
1: When I come up with, like, random universes, those are really fun. I've done, like, a wrestling universe where I was, like, I was re- I was just, like, really, really, like, into, like, the idea of becoming a pro- professional wrestler. So I did in my head, and then I got over it because I did it already in my head.
0: Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that I've never had pocket uh, universes in has, my has, head. <laughs> has
1: anyone ever done this? I know people who experience trauma have. I know like this is a trauma. I'm I'm smart enough now to know like this is a sm- this is a trauma response. And but now it
0: can be fun.
1: I know, now it's fun. <laughs> uh, but it definitely started off as a trauma response in childhood. I didn't have a really good childhood, but
0: Something you unpack at a later time. Yeah, I was
1: like, that's something, <laughs> that's for me and my therapist. It's not for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm doing, I'm doing fine. My therapist is proud of me. I'm doing, I'm a doing good, a good job. And she's proud that like, I I feel like therapy is working. That's why I told her. I was like, I feel like it's working. I was like, I mean, I hope uh, it's working. Like. I, th- I feel like I'm a better person. I'm more organized. I cleaned t- yesterday. I never clean. I hate cleaning. It's gross.
0: Yeah. I, you, you, everything had been accumulating on our kitchen table for and a I long And I cleaned time. the kitchen
1: table. And then I set up the kitchen table in a way where we could not accumulate clutter on it. Yes. Because what I did. So was- now
0: we're going to accumulate clutter on our counter <laughs> <laughs>
1: on our island. Because what I did was we have this. Chi- I got, I wanted a china set. I want my grandmother's china set. My mom is working on putting together, splitting my grandma's china set in two, so that both my sister and I can share it, and then my oldest sister gets my mother's china set. But I wanted like a china set in per, in quotation marks for me, so I got like this bumblebee one because you know when you say you like something one time oh and then God, everyone yeah. says, <laughs> everyone gets you everything that has to do with that. That's me and bees. Like I'm like, oh, I love. I love bees. And then like everything became bees.
0: Oh my, everyone's like, she's a bee. Like <laughs> she's a, give her everything bees. When we had our wedding shower.
1: Oh yeah, it was You bee got theme.
0: so many bee things. It was bee themed, wasn't it? It was bee themed. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: I have a sticker on my computer for work that says "Be happy. And there's a oh, bee. Oh my God, yeah,
0: I'm looking at it right now.
1: <laughs> like I am, I am literally like just a bee, like, so it's a China set that it's all has like bee stuff on it. Like be happy, be kind, be uh there's be wise or whatever it says on there it's really cute and so i set that up on our kitchen table i put out like a a nice like um bee themed i have like a beehive like de- table decor
0: now i'm starting to pick up on everything we have so many bee shit in our house
1: <laughs> so now our kitchen table is all decorated and it has place settings for six there's a six people t- place setting There's two more plates, bowls, and cups in our cabinet so we can make it a table setting of like eight. But I'm just thinking, I was like, man, hopefully this keeps us from putting all our stuff on the table because there's no room. There's like plates and cups and stuff on it. This was
0: a fun conversation. (laughs) This was a really fun... Usually we spend like the first almost half hour of the podcast just bs and and i was thinking about it to myself i'm like man we both have had kind of a weird rough week where work has just been super stressful and we've been dealing with a lot but we didn't we didn't talk about work at all this time instead it was trauma no not really that but i the pocket universes. <laughs> i'm really interested i want i want your whole thing like i would love to
1: anthony hear is, the whole anthony thing. would i I wish i could like put like pick you up and put you in my brain so you could explore the different universes well it seems
0: very in. well thought out
1: oh yeah like everything <laughs> everything is well thought out like i have
0: can we okay so i'm looking at our wall right now and we still have on our wall we made like a big diagram for our table seating charts for the wedding and we still haven't taken it down can we make like a um like a red string um connection board for like your pocket universe and just like well, try to keep track of the there story is
1: the, some some of the characters i make up 100 complete so like my, me like the island i live on my character my what's the fa- island's name my, my family's character I don't want to share oh, okay. I don't want anyone to steal it and then like make oh, you're, you're copyrighted first <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'm not even sure like I have I'm starting like a social you media tell me off mic yeah I'll tell you off mic. anyway um so some characters are made up some characters exist already in the show yes and the anime and like they're a part of it some characters have the names from the anime but they are people that we know like, put as those characters. Okay. So like, oh, you know, like, if I'm thinking about like, for example, like, if I'm redoing this universe and I'm not, this is not something that exists in my universe. And I, for example, Garp, right? Uh huh. And I want to like change Garp to be still have the name Garp, but it's like Garp looks like my dad.
0: Oh, okay. And like,
1: so my dad is garp right
0: it's a pretty good comparison by the way
1: i know my dad kind (laughs) of looks like him that's why i picked him anyway that's not what exists in my universe but you know what i mean like it's the character and the name and it but it's the person from real life Mm mm-hmm I did that with you. I'm, yeah, that makes sense. I'm sorry. Oh, you did that with me? <laughs> yeah. You Who have, am I? You have a cooler name. No. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just going to put someone named Anthony in this world where everyone has a cool name.
0: I have no D's in my name, so I there's no way I can have the will of D. <laughs> there's nothing in there that can be like... You know how Gold Roger they is like Goal D Roger? I can't do that. I can't do that with me. Um interesting stuff. So we're about 20 minutes or 25 minutes in. I'm glad cuz now we can save our whole spiel for work for like the next podcast that we're recording tomorrow. Um I
1: th- I think I think
0: sometimes like, we I think we find it difficult well, to come up with stuff to talk about at well, the beginning of the podcast, but this well, was a
1: fun conversation. I want to ask you a question. When yeah. you think
0: and I'm glad I didn't have to talk as much.
1: When you think <laughs> Do you think like can you see thing like images in your head? Yes. Okay, so you're not like void of the ability <coughs> to do what I do.
0: I'm a I, I would fancy myself a creative person.
1: Like you can visualize. Like if I say look like think about an apple, you can like see the apple. Yes, absolutely. And it's not just like dark. The word apple. <laughs> <laughs> not just like apple. <laughs>
0: um no, yes, I can visualize in my imagination um to- totally visualize um i used to run when i was in high school and i tried to bring it up again but i don't have time for it i used to have a web comic and it had an ongoing story for like two, fucking four years or whatever um about this web comic and I knew what I wanted the characters to and look I, like.
1: And I I bought him things to encourage him to like continue. I just to do don't it. have the
0: time. I really I've been thinking about it a lot and that I want to continue well, it we, or reboot we both, it or something. We
1: both have decided that we're not doing summer work. Yes. I think it would be a great time for you to focus on your webcomic.
0: But I also am like I used to do the web comic because I didn't know when I was in high school how to do digital art and I didn't have the tools at my disposal. So I would draw it on like loose leaf paper. And it was actually really helpful because when I was doing panels, it would help with lines and it would help with like making things organized. Um, So everything on my website is all loose leaf paper versions of these comics. And now I do know how to do digital art, but it takes a tremendously long amount of time to do. And... I've, I've been thinking about it. I'm like, if I do bring it up again, if I do try to, like, write another story. Well, have you and- thought
1: about doing it on loose leaf, scanning it, and then inking it on the computer?
0: <gasps> no, I
1: haven't tried. Bree. <laughs> what? Br- what? Uh, <laughs> the ideas. That's, like, what professionals do. Really? Yeah. Like, they draw it from scratch. on
0: Brie <laughs> You just changed the game for me. <laughs> I've never thought about it. that. Never once crossed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but that seems like so
1: easy. Like, then you don't have to really draw. Yeah. It. you just have to ink over it.
0: Okay, wow. So I'm a tracer. That's the whole <laughs> thing. If you ever seen Ch- Chasing Amy, um, Ben Affleck's character, no, Jason Lee's character is um, an inker for a comic book for Blunt Man and Chronic, and they everyone's like so you're a tracer and he gets like super mad when people say that um no I haven't thought about that that is the move I think that's the move
1: you're welcome look
0: at you coming up with the ideas for creativity no but I wanted to get you into it.
1: outside the box
0: I wanted to get back into it and because I I stopped doing I stopped drawing and I stopped writing it after I got out of my first relationship in my freshman year of college and I just kind of never got back into it and um this I, is the I year thought, of- and I had the story I was halfway through a story arc when I stopped so like I have a, f- a completed story arc here that would essentially progress the series forward I I since we've been talking about one piece I have been on like it was very inspired by the story uh the way that stor- Oda writes the story of One Piece, where it's like everything flows into one another, and like I'll introduce characters here that I won't bring up again for a while, but they still are integral to the overall story that we're telling. Things like that.
1: <clears throat> if you didn't catch on, we're like huge One Piece fans oh, in yeah. this house. <laughs> like, oh, <yeah. laughs> I'm obsessed. I think about it all the time. I like all the time. I'm I'm constantly the One Piece. No, I'm literally the One constant- Piece is real. I'm constantly, like, Googling stuff. and like Stop
0: spoiling it for yourself.
1: Not spoiling st- my, things for myself. Like, making for my universe in my head, I gotta know a lot of stuff. I
0: am caught up on the series as to where the manga is right now. Brie is not. I'm, so we're in the middle of the Dressrosa arc in the anime. And she doesn't know really what happens after that you can't spoil it because it gets so much better because Oda starts building upon like the overall story of the world government and the void century and joy boy and he doesn't like understand
1: that. I'm not spoiling anything for myself I'm literally just googling characters And really getting an in-depth understanding of different characters so that when I have them in my universe, they act like they're supposed to and I don't make people act out of character. It's very integral for my characters (laughs) to act like they're supposed to act. Yeah. It's different than when I did my universe (coughs) when I was in high school, I had like a Hunger Games universe. Okay. It's different than that. I read all the books. Yeah. Yeah. Where I haven't read the animes, so I'm just watching the You not read the manga. I'm like, I'm I'm didn't read the manga, I'm watching the anime. And yeah. I'm watching the the dub like the dubbed version of the anime, not the sub if version of want it,
0: Listen, so when we get to a point where this the dub catches when the dub uh is finished and there's like a fifty or sixty subbed episodes, would you be down to watch the subbed episodes?
1: Oh, I I was telling would I was you telling be down you for this? that when I first started watching... Because I, I,
0: I never wanted to do it because you are constantly like on your phone while we watch and I didn't know if you were going to pay attention. Well,
1: I've told Anthony this before. When I first started watching anime, my first anime ever I ever watched was Fruits Basket, but that was dubbed. And then my, the second one I watched was Shugo Chara. And you would have... I would have 100% said that was dubbed too. But then I was like, no, actually, I remember it being subbed and i was like hearing it in english but i i have a weird brain yeah i was definitely watching it well and they were speaking japanese
0: you you've told me before that you can't do sub because you wouldn't pay you wouldn't get all of the subtitles like you would miss something so it's up to you we got a ways to go because the dub is like at the very beginning of wano right now
1: well, you know we're not there um, and, yet. But we still we're, have like we're, a t- we're taking it slow. We still right have like now. a bajillion episodes. I'm still. in no
0: rush because the longer we drag this out, the more time the you more give time them. we we give them to catch up to the sub. Which if they're on track to maybe get very close to catching up by the end of the year.
1: Okay, we had a great conversation, but now it's time to oh, talk that was about fun. this movie. That was
0: fun. Okay, we got to talk about a movie now. So. um Today's movie that we are talking about is as we said we're going a bit out of order we're starting in the middle of the franchise um, with Scream 2022. Scream is a 2022 slasher film directed by Matt Ben my um, god I'm going to butcher this name. Uh Benatelli Open and Tyler Gillette. Written by James Vanderbilt and Gary Busick the fifth installment of the scream franchise direct sequel to scream 4 starring melissa barrera uh, uh jenna ortega matt uh, mason gooding mickey madison dylan minette jack quaid uh god i'm missing some people uh, oh, uh, God, jasmine savoy brown skeet ulrich uh, roger l jackson courtney cox david arquette and f campbell did I, did I get everybody? I hope. Um, we're come so for you. Um, the movie is the first Scream to come out in about 11 years, 12 years, something like that. And I remember when it, we're going to get into a spoilery conversation about the movie. So if you have not seen Scream 2022, you should probably pause the podcast right now. And go watch the movie and then come back to the podcast and enjoy our spoilery conversation about the film. So go pause. We'll give you a moment. And now we're back and coming uh, to talk about Scream in a very spoilery way. Um, So the movie, a little background into the movie. This is the first Scream movie to not be directed by Wes Craven because unfortunately he passed away uh, a number of years ago for a screen movie not to be written by kevin williamson Um, williamson did kind of um, give his approval for everything though so based on characters developed by kevin williamson and williamson was on board with the story and on board with the direction of the characters and things like that so he did kind of have a little bit of a consultation uh, released on January 14th, 2022. The movie had a budget of 24 million dollars and Bree give a uh, a guess as to what you think the box office uh total was.
1: I have no idea concept of money at all.
0: Get throw out a number.
1: 300 billion dollars. Uh, no. <laughs>
0: uh 137.7 million dollars, which is pretty good for a scream uh movie. It's so five billion dollars. Um, Movie went through a bunch of different like uh, production concerns. It was in kind of not development hell, but it was. It took a little while to gain some steam because uh, Wes Craven and Williamson were both attached to do a fifth and sixth movie um, before Wes Craven passed away, and then the Harvey Weinstein stuff came out, and Scream was owned by the Weinstein Company. So while they were in the process of developing a fifth movie, Harvey Weinstein gets, you know, everything happens that blows up Hollywood with the Me Too movement and Harvey Weinstein. And the Weinstein company shuts down and they sell the rights to Spyglass Productions. And Spyglass then pushes everything forward. There was a rumor that Jason Blum and Blumhouse had gotten the rights to it, but that was not uh something that happened and I'm actually kind of glad that's I
1: couldn't imagine this is a Blumhouse a
0: bl- I yeah uh, I you know how Blumhouse and and Scream kind of poops on Blumhouse a little bit in this movie. <laughs> um so the production moves forward um and the whole thing is not so much based on getting Nev Campbell back um or getting Courtney Cox back or getting David Arquette back. It was pretty Simple for them to get some of those legacy characters. Nev Campbell came back once she heard uh, she wasn't initially going to come back for Scream Five, is what I read. However, she uh, because she wasn't she wasn't totally trusting the fact that Wes Craven wasn't there and overseeing the characters. So the directors wrote her a letter about how. Um, how influential Wes Craven was to their lives and their career and how much they loved his movies and like adored her and, uh, and Wes Craven. And she came back based on that because she knew she was convinced it would be in the right hands. Um, I don't think that Nev Campbell needed to be in this movie.
1: Mm, Probably not.
0: I feel like she was shoehorned in. It was nice to have Sydney Prescott there, but I felt like her inclusion into the third act of the movie was unnecessary, and you you could have had it without her, and I think you could have had it without Gail too.
1: I'd be interesting. Dewey,
0: Dewey, we needed. I think Dewey was an important part of this movie. It'll um, be
1: interesting to see the one that came out.
0: So yeah, Nev Campbell is not in Scream Six. And, and I don't that, think
1: she needs to be. No. Um, I think she, people need to leave her alone.
0: So Nev Campbell decided not to come back for Scream 6 because of uh, she didn't feel as though she was being paid what she was worth. And they wouldn't budge on uh, the negotiation process. So she just said, I'm not doing it. And that's her right to not do it. And fans were a little bit disheartened that she wasn't going to be in it. But ultimately, I think... If I, they
1: couldn't afford it, they can't afford it.
0: First of all, if they can't afford it, they can't afford it. Second of all... If Nev Campbell feels that she's not passionate about the role, as in that sense, because it seemed like she really didn't want to come back from the interviews that she gave, that she was kind of over Sydney Prescott and like loved the character so much that she wanted to leave Sydney where she was. Um, which, if if she's not passionate about, then then don't bring her back. You know, uh, if she feels like you want to leave the character also, at I a place a lo- of peace, a lot
1: of the money probably went towards paying. uh, <laughs> they're they're big they're big hollywood star Oh, now. Jenna Ortega? Yeah, like Jenna Ortega like she's going to cost it's like it's the Zendaya dilemma. Yes. It, where, I was just thinking about Zendaya. Like she costs Euphoria now like so much money. Like mo- most of the money they make goes towards paying her. Yeah. Like she's it's like a what like a million dollars an episode.
0: It's crazy. So um, from what I heard about Scream 6, and I haven't spoiled it for myself, it, it is a plot that feels like if Sidney Prescott was in the movie, it would be entirely shoehorned in that the plot does not call for Sidney at all. Um, so I'm eager to see what they do about that in the sixth movie. I felt Sidney's presence in this movie was not needed. It was, uh, gladly, you know, welcomed, but... Ultimately, she not, she was, uh, not. She needed. lived
1: somewhere where no one knew where she lived.
0: Did you catch the um, the Easter egg about her husband? No. Who her husband is? So they say, um, how's Mark? And Mark is um, Mark Kincaid, Patrick Dempsey's character from Scream Six. So they are Scream Three. Sorry. Um. So they're implying that Sydney married Patrick Dempsey's character and had a bunch of kids. And is living, like, a fine life, a peaceful life, right? Which is where Sydney should be after I know four like, movies of this.
1: No one knows where she lives. Just leave her alone.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I love when Dewey's like, do you have a gun? And she's like, I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. <laughs> it's like, this is why Sydney is, like, one of the best final girls in film history. It's because she's smart. And she, like, and She's not dumb about herself. it. Like,
1: I have a gun because I... Have experienced this like traumatic event
0: four times
1: where I'm like, I think I should probably own a gun and carry a gun on me at well, all. She starts,
0: she starts wising up in scream three, like, she starts wearing a bulletproof vest, she starts packing with her. And um, by the time we get to scream five, it's like, you're not messing with Sydney to a, to an extent of at the end of the movie when Gail and Sydney roll up to Stu Mocker's house and they're like is this a trap? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, trap. Like they've been through the game so many times that it's like, these characters are smart about the situation. Dewey calls out the killer in his first try. <laughs> like he, he calls this entire movie in the first try.
1: We're excited because our, one of Anthony's friends went and saw the new movie and he's like, Oh, I was able to discern the killer. It was like, fairly obvious and i'm like oh i can't wait <laughs> when you're
0: uh, i guess like a smart horror fan I, what the best thing about the scream movies is the Who It aspect um the best thing about the scream movie is what time you gotta go i gotta go 9
1: 15 oh we'll be done by then um Bree's <laughs> like we
0: gotta speed it up we gotta go
1: oh, oh. But, i gotta i got a gym
0: Nine fifteen. Um, but I have to leave 8, at nine fifteen, so I have to like get, start yes. getting ready at it nine. Eight 22 right now. If we need to pause and then come back to the conversation, I got a lot to say. Yeah, I know, I do too. So I forget what I was even talking about now. Sorry. Uh, these yeah, these characters I think have been through the ringer so many times that they just expect everything and part of the great thing about the Scream movies is that they're all like Agatha Christie whodunits to a point where the rules that are established in every Scream movie always point to it's one of the people in the main cast. And now we've talked about... Man, we have been talking about Scream for like almost every episode so far, Mm Brie. Like when we were talking about Friday the 13th and the fact that it is kind of like a whodunit, but they... Don't show us who the character is until the very end of the movie, and they don't introduce us to that character until the last fifteen minutes, so we can't. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We can't call it, you know. But with Scream, they take that and they flip it, and every movie is like it is somebody that we've met,
1: and, and like you can definitely know. point it out. It's someone that we know, and like the there are clues in it that tell you that that's the person. Yes, we caught on to the clues this when time we around. re when we rewatched it we're like some of the facial expressions mm-hmm. give you a clue that these people are the killer in
0: the hospital scene where Dewey shoots the killer they pick up Jack Quaid's character Richie and Richie sees this happen and there's this like look on his face of I didn't expect that but when we watched it the first time we probably looked at it as well, this is a guy who just got like hit in the head with something and is like coming out of like being knocked unconscious. But in reality, it's holy shit, this is not part of the plan. This
1: is not part of the plan. This is my girlfriend's like get, got shot, get sh-
0: just got shot. Yeah. Um, I thought it was, I was able to pick up on who was in the costume. At this now that I know who the killers were upon this rewatch
1: we're like we could pick out who's in the costume and I when. think
0: that Amber was in the costume like ninety percent of the time that that's what and we can break it down when we get when they get into
1: to it. the house, then it's more
0: you it's it's a little less discernible who's in the costume, but there are times so like when they're in the house and Mindy is watching stab. And Ghostface comes behind her similarly to how Randy was in Stab. I think that's for sure 110% Richie because he went to the basement and came back like that. And then Amber comes in and was with Jenna Ortega's character for the the entire time. I think that's one of the only times that Richie is in the costume. I think it's He's in the hospital too. And he's in the hospital when he attacks Sam. Um. I think those are the only times that Richie is in the costume. Other than that, I think every single time is Amber. Because you can always trace it back to where where were these characters during this moment.
1: She definitely kills like... Do
0: you think Richie... So the only one that I was...
1: He doesn't hmm. really kill anyone. Well,
0: okay. So now we have to have this conversation because this is the, the only one that I am not as sure of who's in the costume is Sheriff Hicks... And Wes. Their deaths.
1: I think that was Richie. You think that
0: was Richie? Because
1: our main character, Sam, Mm -hmm. she leaves him. She
0: leaves him. But she also leaves Amber, too.
1: Yes, but Amber was with... Wasn't she with Jenna Ortega's character? Not at
0: that point. I don't think so. She was left at the hospital, right?
1: No, they were at that one friend's house. They were
0: at the friend's house. Jenna Ortega's not there. She's in the hospital. But then when... Sam leaves she leaves Richie and Amber at the house and then when the sheriff and her son die they look at the uh the cop that's supposed to be guarding the hospital and they're like well who's guarding my sister so then uh, Amber is over there and Richie is with uh Sam at that point right or Richie goes to the hospital. Oh, man, that's the only one that I'm like, I don't know who's in the costume at that point. I have to imagine that it's Richie. Richie might be in that costume.
1: Because then he, if if not, he would have killed no one.
0: Right, yeah.
1: And it would have just been Amber who killed people.
0: Mm-hmm. Which seems a bit more likely based on... The direction of those characters where amber seemed like the more unstable she was like the stew mocker of the group where i i so going back to the original scream out like i'm trying to pinpoint when i've done it before like when Stu's in the suit and when billy's in the suit and who who <laughs> kills more people billy kills casey becker in the very beginning of the movie i think i think that's billy in the suit or was it Ah, oh, man now i'm gonna have to go back and watch but <laughs> this is confusing now now i'm confused
1: okay let's get into it though <laughs> all right
0: um anyway so we didn't write anything down no we did not take notes on this But I can...
1: um, We're going to probably go out of order. We're probably just going to hit, like, main points.
0: So our opening scene is uh, Jenna Ortega's character in uh, The House by Herself, Tara. And she is texting her friend Amber on the phone. And they're talking about getting booze or whatever. And then she gets a call. Every screen movie opens the same way. Get a call in the house. The killer's on the phone. Killer starts with some friendly conversation.
1: Then it gets crazy.
0: Then it gets crazy. And then they start playing the game, right? Um What did you think about this opening sequence? I thought Compared to some of the other ones that we've seen. So like if we so remind if, ourselves
1: I like the whole I cloned Amber's phone when really it could have just been Amber it, texting. I, it is
0: Amber. Like it, it is Amber, like for sure.
1: Yeah, Amber is the one who called and Amber is like but who's who took the video amber that's the question
0: i don't know it couldn't have been richie because richie was in modesto at the time like completely far away from unless it was a pre-recorded
1: video of a different night Mm -hmm. but it could have been if you think about it
0: no it had to have been because amber was in the suit it had to have been pre-recorded
1: yeah Mm -hmm. so amber like is definitely texting off her phone like 'Cause she's the she's the killer. She's the killer. So, um <laughs> and I just like I guess like I, I just if Tara's your friend, like I don't get your motivation, but I Well, we
0: can talk later about the killer's motives in the in this movie. So if we think back, um, Scream one, Billy and Stu's motivation is to basically celebrate the anniversary of the their killing of Sydney's mom scream 2 was Billy Loomis's mom and Mickey and Billy's mom wants revenge while Mickey is going to blame it on the violence of movies scream 3 is Roman where his goes back to Sydney something about the mom and um, Scream 4 was Jill and Kieran Culkin's character, whose name I can't remember, where they wanted to be famous. This one, our motives at the end of the movie are we want to write our own stab movie because the others are horrible <laughs> and we're such fans of the franchise. Um what did you think about the motive before we get into the rest of the movie? Do you, I mean,
1: I guess compared to
0: the rest of the movies, do you think that this is a strong motive?
1: I feel like this motive kind of explores like this obsession with like movies and with serial killers. Like this is a serial killer obsession.
0: Uh the scream movies always are meta commentaries on horror at the time that they're
1: made. Like we we live in a time where Oh, that was weird. I know. Did you see that? Yeah. We live in a time <laughs> where people are obsessed with serial killers. So this is a believable motive.
0: Yes. Um, I love... Because I, I remember when this movie came out and I was talking to one of my colleagues who's also a big fan of Scream. And I was saying, like, the only way that this movie would work is if it continues to be a commentary on horror at the time that it's made. So, like... Scream 1, 2, and 3 are about establishing a, a horror trilogy. What are the rules of a trilogy? Scream 4 is, what are the rules of a reboot? And then Scream 5 are, what are the rules of a requel? And I think this is a good motive for that kind of theme of this movie being a requel. Where we deal with toxic fan culture a lot. And Richie's like, how could fa- how could fandom be toxic when it's all about love for the franchise? And it's like this when you how it gets toxic. When you're
1: willing to like kill for Yeah. For it. Yeah. I
0: felt very called out by the scene where they're in the Meek's house and they're talking about the rules of a requel or like what establishes a requel. And it's like Mindy explaining well, in a requel you so in modern horror, you can't just have or modern filmmaking. You want to go back to the cash cow and you want to go back to the thing that people love so much. Oh, my mom's texting me. Um, uh, you want to go back to the thing that people love so much, but you can't recast anybody. You can't remake. You can't reboot because that's not the original and the fans love the original, but you can requel where you bring in a new cast and you establish legacy characters, everything goes back to the original. Don't mess with the original because that's the thing that people uh the original she goes the original stab was a movie where uh, there are there's a generation of people who watched that or were exposed to it by their parents at an early age and that bonded them and that started their love for horror movies and I was like, I feel called out right now because <laughs> that's me with Halloween. That is my exact thing. What my dad showed me Halloween at a very young age and that kind of grew my love for horror movies was John Carpenter's Halloween. I mean,
1: it shaped him as a human being. It's, and
0: it's it means a tremendous amount to me. So like I'm like with Halloween ends, I was like super critical of it, right? Where I'm like, this isn't Halloween. This,
1: this is horse shite. Right.
0: So I just I was, don't like,
1: fucking like it anymore.
0: Oh, I just don't like it no more. Um but i was like man mindy meeks is calling me out right now (laughs) like personally i feel personally called out um but the idea is that it always goes back to the original and if you really pick up on it the move this movie follows pretty much the exact same structure as the original scream where the third act of the movie is in Stu mocker's house it's at a party we have the we have the entire cast there. They're being picked off one by one. We have to discern who the killer is. Even so far as Chad and Mindy Meek surviving at the end of the movie in the same vein as uh, Randy and Dewey surviving at the end of the movie, being taken to uh, the ambulances the same way that they're mm-hmm. taken in the first movie. Mindy is stabbed in the same spot that Randy is stabbed in in the like this it's the exact same thing it's just (laughs) now you have the legacy characters and you make room for the new generation so now that when we have scream six you don't need those legacy characters anymore so much you can just have it based in the new cast she mentions a bunch of different requels that have tried to do it like star wars is a prime example of this um the new halloween trilogy is an example of this the um God, I'm trying I'm trying to think of like other requels that I can't like wrap my head around right now, but I thought that that was one of the better scenes in the movie when they're establishing like the rules because that's what you have to do in a scream movie. You always have to have that scene where it's like these are the rules. So knowing what we know about Scream 6 in which the killer is a little bit more brutal yeah. Doesn't seem to be following a pattern as much as they have in the past. I don't know if we're gonna get rules in Scream Six. Probably I would be not. I would be surprised if they're like, Well, we don't know what the rules are right now because we've never encountered this type of situation. It'll be interesting. Um, what do you think, Brie?
1: What do you mean what do I think?
0: About it all. The rules.
1: Those do you think them- they're fair? I mean,
0: rules on how to survive a horror movie
1: i mean yeah they're fair (laughs) good (laughs) (laughs) he's got a point sting
0: (laughs) (laughs) um anyway so let's start from the beginning we have that opening scene with tara do you think um do you think this was an effective opening scene
1: i like the so we play on this, like, what's your favorite movie? And she's a scary movie, and she talks about liking meta horror. Oh, ele- elevated horror. Oh, ele- elevated horror, like the babadook Duke. Um, and the person on the other end gets so mad, and it's like, no, like, let's talk about stab. She's like, well, I, don't, I haven't seen stab because that's not my jam and it's
0: like we want he's like what's elevated horror and she's, well it's horror that is less about jump scare jump scare jump scare and more about connecting themes and character emotions and arcs and things like that and he's like that seems boring <laughs> <laughs> which is like how a lot of people see horror so we would say maybe like would you say skinnamarink is elevated horror yeah and do you think that a lot of people would be like, skin wearing is boring as fuck? Yes, yes, <laughs> or like, um, Midsommar. I oh,
1: hate the way you say it. It's the
0: way you say it. Um, a lot of people would say that's a boring ass movie because it's not, it's not the Conjuring, right? It's not jump scare fest. Yeah. Um, but there's an audi- I think there's an audience for every kind of horror. Like we particularly aren't into splatter films. Like I don't, I have no in- interest in watching the Terrifier, because that's not that's not my brand of horror. It's for some audience people, but not for us. And I know you don't like body horror.
1: I do not. Yeah,
0: Brie is not a body horror fan. So um, there's an audience for it, not for us. I enjoy elevated horror a bit. It depends on the movie, though, because there's some stuff where I look at elevated horror and I'm like, this is terrifying what i'm watching right now
1: i get like so scared yeah like we got scared watching Skimmerink. like that's scary but it's like why is it scary couldn't tell you and
0: i thought hereditary was like really horrifying too so we haven't seen the menu but my students have and they're like don't watch it it's so bad it's stupid and i'm like oh i heard good things about it and i think that's like the difference of the audience you know what it is it's
1: Adults like elevated horror. Kids like just kids like slasher, splatter.
0: Yeah, to turn your brain off and yeah. go to the movies. Um, so I think there's a good point to be made here by both parties in this opening scene. Um, do you think the opening scene was... Uh, do you remember some of the other ones in the past couple of movies?
1: I don't really.
0: A first is well, Drew, Drew Barrymore. Well, I
1: know the Drew Barrymore. That's iconic.
0: Um, Second is the movie theater one. With the couple when they're going to the premiere of Stab.
1: Oh, I do remember that one. Um,
0: the third is Cotton Weary go uh going into his apartment building.
1: Don't remember that one.
0: Fourth is fourth is the one where they start going into the different stab movies. So like you get the opening of Stab Six, <laughs> that is actually the opening of Stab Seven, which is them in our universe watching Stab Eight or something like that. Um, and then there's this one. Did you think that this one was effective?
1: Yeah, this was a terrifying opening scene.
0: I thought this movie was much you, scary you know and makes, much more intense. Do you
1: want to know what makes it so scary? The lock unlock thing on her How do you phone. think they were able to do that? Like if her- Amber,
0: if Amber was under the mask, how do you think she was able to do all that?
1: Being able to lock and unlock the house?
0: Do you think she got like... um... Does
1: her sister also have that app on her phone? Who? Sam. Does Sam have that app on her phone?
0: What about Sam's phone?
1: If her boyfriend had access to her phone, he could... Well,
0: they established Sam hasn't been in Woodsboro in five years. I know, but would
1: she have that...
0: I was thinking more, because I was thinking about it as we were watching the movie. I'm like, well, it would make sense, I guess, if Amber was at Tara's house and like, I don't know, got the code.
1: They're friends. They might yeah. even.
0: It, it, that's a pretty simple explanation. Also, she could
1: clone her phone if she knows how to clone. They a phone. always say
0: clone in phones. They did that. That like clone, clone this phone, clone that phone. In the Scream series, they clone phones. And I was like, how easy is it to clone a phone? I've never heard of that before.
1: <laughs> uh, I've never had a need.
0: I don't know. I, I I don't know. Like, is this a common practice to clone somebody's phone? I don't know. Anyway. So Tara is attacked in the house. Very intense scene of the killer asking her questions about the Stab movie. And did you notice the cast list of when Tara is googling Stab and seeing like the cast list, like who's playing who, what uh, character? I'm um, Tori Spelling plays Sydney Prescott, which is a callback to Scream One, where um. They asked Sydney about like if Gail Weathers' book was adapted into a movie. She's like, I'd probably be played by like Tori Spelling or something. <laughs> and so Tori Spelling plays um, Sydney. Luke Wilson plays Billy Loomis. Um, Jennifer Lee, who is in Scream 3, played by Parker Posey, plays Gail Weathers. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Um, oh, somebody played Tatum rose mcgowan's character in scream one but i can't remember who was on that cast list and then Stu mocker was i've noticed was played by vince vaughn in stab it is like super interesting um these cool little easter eggs that are popped in there they also mentioned that sydney lives on elm street which is uh kind of hinted at in Scream 1 but is confirmed in this movie as a callback to Wes Craven Nightmare on Elm Street Um, but yeah so Jenna Ortega's character is attacked she's stabbed a few times she She lives she's stabbed in the hand and Ghostface just shatters her ankle
1: I think it's very like realistic to get stabbed in the hand
0: yeah as you're trying to yeah you're trying to stop
1: people from killing you it's very easy to get stabbed in the hand. Mm-hmm. So that, that's
0: that's our opening scene. And I, well, I remember going to see it in the theaters and I was like, oh, I'm surprised that Jenna Ortega's character is the opener for this movie because she's one of the main cast members. Like that's the first time they've had a main cast member die or uh, be part of the opening.
1: She doesn't die.
0: Where you could make an argument that they did that with Drew Barrymore in the first movie where she was on. She was top billing on um, the poster and everything. And then they killed her off. Um, what is his name? Leave Schreiber. Uh, Cotton Weary is kind of like a main character and then dies in the first uh, little bit of Scream 3. But the difference here is that Jenna Ortega's character doesn't die. Yes. She survives this and she's in the hospital. Do you think that that was intentional for Amber? Do you think she wanted Tara alive, Amber and Richie, or do you think that yes, this was they a want, mistake?
1: I think they wanted her alive. Okay. Because how else you can bring Sam back?
0: Well, I think you can bring Sam back if Tara was dead, right?
1: I know, but she won't stay as long.
0: Okay. I'm I mean, not there's as, no reason I'm for Richie as to, to con- be there. All. Hmm. I don't know if I'm as convinced that this was an intentional part of their plan. I think this was a mistake that that she lived. Um, so then we're introduced to Sam Carpenter and her boyfriend, Richie. Sam is Tara's sister. She gets a call. She lives in Modesto, uh, outside of Woodsboro. And she gets a call from Wes, who's played by Dylan Minnette from 13 Reasons Why. And... Um, they're like, oh, Tara was attacked. You got to come back. And so her and Richie start packing up and going to Woodsboro to be with Tara. And Richie tells uh, Sam, I don't even know what Woodsboro is. I've never seen a stab movie. Like, And she starts saying every decade or so, some idiot in a ghost face mask starts killing all- everybody in Woodsboro. And now it's happening again. And it's connected to them. But then we find out that Sam is the, um, God, how, how do we explain this, Brie? While Billy Loomis was seeing Sidney Prescott in the first Scream movie, he had an affair with another woman, another teenager, who then got pregnant, and Sam is the... The product of that. The product of that. So Billy Loomis is Sam's biological father, and the
1: the girl that, so Sam's mother was dating somebody else, Mm -hmm. and she convinced him that it was his child. Yes. So that they got married.
0: Sam found out about it through reading like a journal or something in the attic when they were kids, and started yelling at her mom. And the dad overheard, and that's how the dad found out. And the dad left Sam and Tara. Tara is the actual daughter of their mom, and the not dad. not Billy Lewis, yeah. the other dad. It this is a complex thing to just like spring up on the audience, like his complex backstory of these characters to spring up on the audience, but it works and it's accepted.
1: It's like sure, I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So then we get the call is made and Sam's on our way back with the boyfriend. Suspicious. Immediately suspicious. Boyfriend. Suspicious.
0: I didn't think so when I watched the movie, but. I always really
1: thought he was suspicious. Like, I don't trust the boyfriend ever.
0: Well, that's what Dewey would say. Later on in the movie. So they get to the hospital and Sam reveals this all to Tara and Tara's like, Well, you've been gone for five years. Like Get out of here. Get out of here. Sam gets attacked by Ghostface in the um in the hospital. Totally Richie under that yeah. mask. Um
1: I was like, Well, where was that? she Richie? keeps she
0: keeps seeing visions of Billy Loomis.
1: She's on antipsychotics. Yeah. Like that is well established that she takes. But anti- they're
0: not working as well as they have. Yeah, in she's the past. like
1: she's taking antipsychotics. She might have like some form of schizophrenia. Like that's what it seems like. It seems like, well, maybe her father had schizophrenia.
0: So I liked Billy Loomis's inclusion into this movie as being like a part of the plot and like showing up a little bit. Here's what I didn't like, and here's what I'm like very critical of.
1: I mean, he shouldn't he could uh, he should interact with the character, but he should not do anything where he has cogn cognizant ability outside of that character's cognizant ability. Because you're if you're actually on an <laughs> antipsychotic, you don't know what you don't know. Like like he points out a knife at the end. I'm like, but if she never saw the knife but I think there, she,
0: she might have seen the knife and might have known about it. So I was thinking about this, like
1: I've been like really this thinking isn't, about that. This
0: isn't Billy Loomis. This is her perception this is of Billy her, Loomis.
1: It's like she has, she's seeing a like a. This isn't
0: actually the ghost of Billy Loomis. No, you know she's what I mean? she's seeing
1: something because it's in her head. She's on antipsychotics.
0: So, at the end of the movie, when Sam makes it out alive, she sees this reflection of Billy, and like Billy, like nods in approval of her, and it's like did we just redeem Billy Loomis? Like, what the hell are we doing here? Like Billy is established throughout this entire franchise. He's mentioned in every movie throughout this franchise as being like horribly, horribly evil and psychotic and like the worst person. And he was a baby and he was like, uh, you know, didn't know how to act on his emotions. And it's like, now we have this movie where Billy Loomis, this very evil character just nodded in approval of our, main cast member and is like an ally (laughs) I was like what the hell but this can also be kind of backed up with this isn't actually Billy Loomis this is Sam Carpenter's perception of who she thinks Billy Loomis is and pretty much just her own it's a representation of her own mind essentially she Mm -hmm. she is more accepting of herself not so much Billy accepting her that's what I got out of it, and if, like, if I'm going to be critical, I'm going to say, why are we redeeming Billy Loomis? But if I'm going to counter-argument myself, I'm going to say, that's not actually Billy Loomis. That's actually Sam's perception of her own self.
1: Does that make um, sense? And the part of her that is him.
0: Yes. The part of her that is had been repressed for a while and is now like out, and she is accepting of that. That's what I am now taking out of it. Um. So uh, then we meet the rest of the cast members, our new cast, and what did you think about these characters? Um, like them, or do you feel as though they're because when we talk about like slasher movies in the eighties, we got to a point where none of the, the teenage cast members in like these Friday the Thirteenth movies like actually mattered, and like had any kind of character. Do you think that we do a good job in this movie of establishing a pretty well? developed cast
1: i mean uh, it's developed enough we really like um the two siblings
0: oh i love the meeks siblings like
1: they're like they're pretty cool
0: i love that they are both kind of like their own embodiments of jamie kennedy's randy where chad meeks talks like jamie kennedy and mindy meeks has the knowledge of randy you know what i mean so they each have their own like little traits of Randy Meeks. It's it, we have Randy Meeks just now in two characters,
1: <laughs> and then the one the girlfriend I forget her name.
0: Uh yeah, I, I had no faith that she was going to make it out of this movie alive. Did not even consider her to be one of the killers when I first yeah, saw this.
1: Not even on my radar.
0: I think she's the mo- the least developed of all of the. What's
1: his name? The Thirteen Reasons Why guy. Wes. Uh sad that he was killed. I think they should have kept him. Me too. I was like... But
0: his death is important because... It's when, what
1: brings everybody to the house.
0: It's a, a, it's what brings everybody to the house, and B, when they start... When they're in the Meeks' house, and Mindy is talking about um the rules of a requel, and she's like... Uh, it always goes back to things that have happened in the past, and Wes says, well, my mom was involved with something that happened like 10 years ago like am i in trouble and she's like wes nobody cares about the reboot cast like you're probably okay and then he dies like immediately afterwards i think that is important to establish that we're we're kind of breaking the rules a little and
1: bit amber was there for that conversation yes, and,
0: yep and richie was and too.
1: richie so it was like well now we're gonna do it
0: yeah because you just called us out on it on being um clichéd, you know, and this is not part of our movie. We're not clichéd. We're doing something better. <laughs> so, so it, it makes sense that Wes would die.
1: But I was like, we don't like Amber, obviously. Um
0: Amber's shady from the start.
1: I know. I think that actress just has a shady look to her. She
0: gets lit on fire in two movies. <laughs> <laughs> she's very breathes like she's very good at being lit on fire she's
1: very good at playing on fire
0: (laughs) she gets lit on fire in this movie and she gets lit on fire in uh once upon a time in hollywood i think that everyone's just like let's light this girl on fire um anyway so i i really like our our embedded cast of characters here i think it's the the strongest cast of supporting characters that we've had in a scream movie in -hmm. a long time Um, and I haven't seen Scream 4 in a long time, but I don't, like, Kirby in Scream 4 is great, but the rest of them, I think, are very, like, uh, non-characters, you know what I mean? Like, they don't really have personality, they Mm -hmm. don't, like, you're not invested in them, which I'm glad Kirby is coming back in Scream 6. I'm, I'm eager to see what they do with her character, because there is, like, a little Easter egg when you see, uh, richie watching the youtube criticism of stab eight there's a suggested video of like woodsboro survivor kirby talks about uh her her story or something so it's established that kirby survived scream four um yeah so we get all these different like characters we meet uh this other guy uh god what's his name the one little the weird little weirdo that hangs out at the bar that's like having Having an affair with Chad's girlfriend, the little weirdo with the mustache and the tattoos. Mm-hmm. Like I don't remember his name. He's a non-character
1: who <laughs> dies.
0: He dies pretty quickly. Um, but his death, they start putting the pieces of the puzzle together because of that. Does it go back to the original? Well, why go after Tara? Well, Sam reveals to everybody that she's Billy Loomis's daughter oh that's why it goes back to to tara well then this dude that died at the bar what does he have to do with the original um well we just googled him and he is Stu stumacher's nephew so he's related to the original one of the original killers as well so it makes sense for that person to have died um some of the death scenes in this movie because this is really our first death scene um what do you think this guy dying in the parking lot.
1: I thought it was interesting. We don't see really which killer it could have been. It's obviously Amber. It's Amber, it's for sure. Ob- she was the one at the bar. Mm-hmm. But she left with her friends. So it's kind of also like, how would she do that?
0: I mean, they switch out of these costumes pretty quickly. I know.
1: Too quick. Yeah. It was like in my bloody valentine where they oh i love that (laughs) where they they just emerge dressed and i'm like
0: yeah when we don't know who the character is and they're (gasps) they're going down into the mines to rescue their friends and they do a costume change into the mining outfits and both of the people that could be the the killer are both are both in the mine outfits and it's like this was just an excuse to get those characters in those costumes um no yeah i thought i i thought the death scene was cool with uh kyle gallagher's character um very much enjoyed that they played red right hand because it's played in every scream movie and it i it better be played in scream six um i'll I'll call back to it in next week's podcast he gets there's really not a lot of effort in killing this guy No, he just gets gets stabbed stabbed in in the the jugular
1: he got stabbed in the neck dead
0: So, oh, God, I'm trying to remember the sequence of events that happen after this. Um, Sam and Richie go see Dewey. Uh And Dewey uh, is established to have been divorced from Gail Weathers. He's uh, not a police officer anymore in Woodsboro. He's kind of just chugging along in a trailer. He's uh, maybe an alcoholic. There's a lot of bottles in different places. So when they go and meet Dewey... Dewey calls it out immediately.
1: Yeah, he's like, well...
0: Dewey's like, it's this guy. And he points at Richie, and it's like, why me? And they're like, it's always a love interest. Every time, it's always a love interest. He's like, always be aware of the love interest. And he starts asking Sam questions about, like, has he shown an interest in Woodsboro? When did you meet him? How long have you been in a relationship? Has he brought up any of this stuff before? And she's like, well, no, he hasn't. And he's like immediately suspicious of Richie. But then Dewey refuses to help them. And he's like, this doesn't involve me. I'm done with this. I don't want to do it. And then we get that scene where he starts reaching out to the legacy cast members about it. And he calls Sydney and Sydney is living somewhere, I think in like San Francisco or something. And she's got kids and she's doing fine. And he's like, don't come back to Woodsboro. Like, it's happening again. This one feels different. Don't come back here. Like, you need to be safe. And Sydney probably would not have come back if it weren't for Dewey's death later on in the movie. Because this is the first Scream movie in which the killer's motive has absolutely nothing to do with Sydney. Is no direct correlation. I know. Which is
1: why in the next in the one that we're gonna go see today, I don't think that we need Sydney because I don't think the deaths have anything to do with her anymore. I think it's more about Sam and Tara.
0: Yes. Um, so Dewey reaches out to Gail as well and texts her, like, Ghostface is back, don't come to Woodsboro.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Hi, (laughs) you? And then like,
0: I hope you're doing well, smiley face. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's also like implied Dewey still, you know, has feelings for Gail and, and things like that. Um, do you have to go? I do. I have to go. Okay, get so we are going to pause and, and come Play back. a little boop play boop a little boop transitional boop 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 music and then uh we we're gonna come back when Brie is done with her workout That's and finish up our conversation. This. But you will never know it because we are going on a short break. So you hear some transitional music, we'll be back in just beep boop, a boop, moment.
1: Boop, beep, Boopy,
0: boopy, boopy And we're back from our break. Bree, how was your workout?
1: Um, it was pretty good. Uh ran a little bit, rode a little bit, did some exercise a little bit then I came home and I made a grilled cheese. I made a grilled cheese for you. I made a grilled cheese for me. My grilled cheese, infinitely better than your grilled cheese <laughs> because you're boring and you don't like pesto and mozzarella and parmesan like and a grilled, cheese. grilled cheese. You saw that cheese pull, though.
0: That cheese pull was... Uh,
1: Magnificent. Chef's kiss. I was like, this is why I use mozzarella. That cheese pull. So I always good.
0: go back to that scene from Chef where he makes the grilled cheese and it's like Bill Burr, did a segment on the grilled cheese. Like, when you make the grilled cheese, it's like nothing else is happening around you. It's just you and the grilled cheese. Well, I'm almost telling beautiful. Anthony
1: was like, I'm going to take a shower while you make the grilled cheese. And I was like, yeah, you probably could because, like, I cook on the one side. Like, the side you put down first, that is the side that I cook it on low. So it takes, like, 10-ish minutes to cook and get crispy on the one say, side.
0: I do have to say the cheese was fairly melty.
1: I know. I This is my new strategy. Using the griddle pan that we have, cooking it low and slow on the one side and then fast and hot on the other because you already melted the cheese when you cooked it low and slow on the one side. Mm-hmm. So now you can cook it fast on the other.
0: Right, right. That's good grilled cheese.
1: I know. I'm becoming like a grilled cheese master. So if anyone's wanting a grilled cheese...
0: What do you think about like when Gordon Ramsay makes a grilled cheese and he puts like you know a a block or brick of cheese on it and he cooks it in like a like a stone oven or something like a brick oven? That's
1: a baked cheese. And I want I want to grill. You got to grill the cheese.
0: Well, I also looked at Gordon Ramsay's when he had that video that he came out with. I was like, this isn't a grilled cheese. It's not (laughs)
1: melted. It's not melty cheese the The cheese has to be melted. Like
0: you can't. Ele- can you
1: elevate a grilled cheese? I did. I put it was pesto, mozzarella cheese, and parmesan cheese. I feel like that's an elevated grilled cheese. That was good. It was a good. It's a good grilled cheese. Mm-hmm. It's something different. Put a, if I had tomatoes, fresh tomatoes, I would slice up some fresh tomatoes, put it on that grilled cheese sandwich that I made. Yeah, that'd be elevated to the max grilled cheese.
0: That grilled cheese got you on Master Chef.
1: Oh yeah! If I got, use like a nice like brioche bread, <laughs> yeah, right. I guess I don't know. Or like know. a I don't thick, thick slice toast instead of just plain white bread because we can't afford any other kind of stuff. Just like bread. some
0: people are like um, casual movie viewers and just like you know the bare the bare bones. That's how I am with food. I'm like, just give me a, two slices of American cheese on a piece of bread. Grill it. Give me that grilled cheese. Um, you don't I, need to go over for
1: I love that I married someone like that because impressing him with food is so incredibly easy. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is like salt and pepper. Do like food. a
0: good steak once in a while.
1: And I do make you steak once in a while.
0: We. OK. So can I get off topic a little bit before sure. we get back into the we movie? We really
1: have to speed it up, though. I know
0: we do. Um, the Oscars are tonight as As of this recording is tonight. And we have our picks. We did an Oscars pick them and uh we bet each other loser has to make the other one a really nice dinner.
1: and he's praying i lose uh, very much so <laughs> because we used to do like make do these like dinners during the pandemic we were very romantic <laughs> we would make each other like because we
0: didn't have a lot to do we would make we each work. other
1: he would come home from work cuz i worked from home cuz i taught for a whole year at home and he taught at school when I taught at home. So he would come home from work and I was like, I played housewife. I had like, like meals done and like I bought dessert and like I did all this kind of extra stuff. He's like, you
0: made risotto one night. He's like,
1: I pray for the, you to be, well, the summer when we're not both not working, you're about to eat the best you've ate in a long time.
0: So you made like a mushroom risotto and it was delicious. And then you tried your hand at like a seafood risotto. Not as good. Not as good because it was like, overly seafood and <laughs> i ate it and you know i ate it because you made it and i was like made it. i was
1: like i don't like this that much i will say that i have thought about making the mushroom risotto again it was so good i just it's t- it takes time and you can't like leave the risotto alone we did
0: our oscar pickums um and i'll read you some of our our picks of the main ones not everything um Best actor, we both chose everything. Or best best picture, we both chose everything, everywhere, all at once. I tried to go based on not what I personally feel should win, but what I think politics wise and will y'all know win, that I I vote win. with
1: my heart. I go with what I who I think should win.
0: Best director, um, you chose everything, everywhere, all at once. I chose the Banshees of Anishirin. Um, that was a heart. That was one that came from the heart. That wasn't based on like anything. That was my only like.
1: We watched Banshees of Inisherin. Pick, pick of love. We both really liked Banshees. Banshees of Inisherin. Best
0: actor. She chose Colin Farrell for Banshees, and I chose Austin Butler for Elvis. Even though I have not seen Elvis, I just know how the, the Oscar, acad- how the, the Academy loves it.
1: I just think Colin Farrell was so good in Banshees of Inisherin. And I would pick him as best actor if I had seen all those movies.
0: Best actress, Brie chose Michelle Yao for Everything Everywhere, and I chose Kate Blanchett for Tar. If
1: Michelle Yao does not win, the the Oscars will be continued to be called racist. Well, because she deserves best actor. I don't know
0: if that's the correlation, but no, it's... no, the, the
1: the the Academy's racist.
0: Well, yes, but also. <laughs> I she would, was the best I actress. Picked, I picked Kate Blanchett just to be contrarian to you at that point. Not based on anything, just because I was like, yeah, you know, let's let's switch it up a little bit. Um best supporting actor, we chose both chose the actor that plays Wayman in everything everywhere all at once just because he's been sweeping all of the awards everywhere. He deserves, everywhere. It. He and he deserves, deserves it. it. Um supporting actress, Brie chose um Carrie Condon, right? That's her name from Banshees of Venetian. I chose again to be contrarian. I chose Angela Bassett um, for Black Panther, even though I don't think that was the best performance. Um, I wanted to choose an out of the box. I was
1: going to choose the, the actress that plays the daughter and everything everywhere all at once, but she hasn't been winning the other awards circuit shows mm-hmm. so i was like i'm just gonna go with like sometimes
0: we have to go based on the metrics
1: yeah sometimes you got to choose because not because that's who you would pick but because that's it's like, not
0: about us we're not voting we're not we to put our heads into the mindset into the rich people who white act,
1: people who vote for the oscars celebrities yes celebrities.
0: <laughs> um anyway so why don't we get back into the conversation on screen. so we left off Uh, Dewey has now joined the group. He's our legacy character that has come into the group. And then uh, they all meet up at the Meeks' house. And they have this big shrine to Randy Meeks, which is nice. I'm glad that they're like... I always said that in Scream 2, one of the worst things that they did in that movie... I understand why they did it, but I hated that they did do it, was kill Randy. I think that they should have kept Randy alive because... um, I think he's he's a character that deserved to be alive, <laughs> as he was the most knowledgeable about the situations. So it's nice to get that little call out to Randy and to get a little bit more of a um, an emphasis on that character. Absolutely. Um, so we have the Meeks twins who are hosting this like gathering of the main cast, and then they go into that conversation about what a requel is, what the Maybe motivations of the killers could be, and then they call out Sam. They say the only logical person that could be the killer right now is you, Sam, because you have links back to Billy Loomis, is the only logical explanation. Meanwhile, she gets mad at this accusation. Oh, yeah, she's storms like, off. What, she's
1: like, what you said is ridiculous. Also, what their suggestion is ridiculous because she wasn't even there when her sister got attacked.
0: Yes, um. So she storms off and she leaves the group. And then after she leaves the group, we get the uh, scene in which uh, Sheriff Hicks and her son Wes both die. Yes. And I would say best scene in the movie.
1: On their way to get Chinese food, which... Or is it Japanese? Jap- Japanese. It's Japanese sushi. sushi. Which I'm like, dang, like... Man, now no one's gonna be picking that up, and like it's gonna go to waste. And he had like set up a whole thing for it too, and they were like had chopsticks, so you know they eat it often. I was like, dang, like it's gonna be a good ass meal.
0: Mm Hmm. Um. Extra edamame. Extra edamame, which you said
1: no one orders. Extra edamame. (laughs) (laughs) That's edamame is what they give you free at the table. Did
0: you notice that when Wes opens up the um? the freezer there's like a ton of ice cream in there there's like like at least four containers of ben and jerry's and then I'm there's like you, choco what, tacos that's what there's two our, two boxes of choco that's tacos. what our
1: fridge is gonna look like freezer is gonna look like when we have how kids how much
0: ice cream are they eating it's just <laughs> them two in the house but
1: when we have a kid like there's gonna be a lot of ice cream in this house because i'm just gonna pop it in their mouth shut up yeah <laughs> shut up <laughs> um,
0: I thought that was best scene in the movie when Wes is in the house and he keeps opening up.
1: And you're like... <gasps> it keeps you on
0: edge as the viewer. The tension building, tension building, tension building is like, this is what it means to like effectively write and direct a horror sequence when you have your audience like consistently on the edge of your seat. It's giving them a little bit, but taking it away. So uh, I'm going to relate it to pro wrestling a mm-hmm. little bit. Wrestlemania 30. Yes. Brock Lesnar defeats The Undertaker, breaks the Wrestlemania streak. Mm-hmm. Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar's manager at that moment, did an interview and he was he said, for 30 WrestleManias, everybody had been conditioned to the ref smacking on the mat, one, two, and then The Undertaker kicking out at the last minute. So when you start building up one to kick out one two, kick out over the course of the Lesnar match, it gets to a point where all of that tension is released when that three count finally hits and people are shocked at what happens as a result of it. Right. The psychology of the crowd changes at that point. What are you laughing at me? No, for?
1: Just, I'm laughing at you. <laughs> the, the psychology
0: of the crowd changes at that point to where every you were expecting you were expecting you were expecting and then you're hit with a surprise mm-hmm. when it finally happens. So it's more of an emotional impact onto the audience and more of a release of this tension in a way that you want it to be released, not in a way that would be boring, you know. And I think that's what Scream does effectively is that it messes with the audience's expectations of every time Wes opens up a cabinet and blocks a doorway. You know, you you're often conditioned to well when he closes it someone's going to be there and then when that doesn't happen you're like oh Uh. my god like please just like let us let us get to it right now but it's in a good way that you're thinking about that because the tension is building and building and building so in that scene when Wes finally sees the killer that's kind of more of an emotional impact and a release of that tension to an extent where the audience is on Mm -hmm. the edge of their seat um That scene in particular, they didn't tell Dylan Minnette that the killer was going to be in that sequence. So when he turns around and sees the ghost face killer, that's the first time that's a genuine reaction out of that when he's like shocked to see it because they didn't tell him that.
1: Did they tell him he was going to die? Yes, they did. But
0: (laughs) they didn't tell him that that was going to be the time in that shot in particular was going to be when the killer was revealing themselves. Um, and, that, and that was one of their first days of shooting, so he hadn't seen a, anybody in the Ghostface costume at that point. So that's all a genuine reaction from that actor, which is kind of cool. Um, Hicks dies. Wes dies. Wes dies pretty uh, – they both die pretty brutally. Um, Sheriff Hicks gets, like, the crap stabbed out of her very brutal manner. Um, and then Wes gets a knife through his neck. But not in the middle of his neck That's and like the side. side, so you can see it pop out of the other side. Brutal stuff.
1: Um, and I didn't then think he
0: should have died.
1: We get like our main cast, minus Tara, are there, kind of like oh, Gail,
0: Gail is now in the Gail movie. Gail is
1: now there, she's mad at um, Dewey. Dewey. A text, and
0: when they were filming the movie, the meetup between Gail and Dewey for the first time. They did in a couple of shots. The Do you
1: think it was awkward for the? Well, two Well, that's actors? what it was.
0: It was that it was emotional for both of the actors because that was like the first time they were really like shooting a scene together in a long time after their divorce, Arquette and, and Courtney Cox. Um, so they had a very emotional like uh, first take to which the directors were like, okay, that one was for you guys. Now we need it for us. <laughs> and they and they shot it again. And that's what we got in the movie. Um, what else? I think that was... And then... And so so Gail, Gail's in there we now. We see
1: the police officer. And so Sam is like, who's watching my sister? And then it's kind of like the rush to get to the hospital by the boyfriend, Sam, and...
0: Richie is at the hospital. And uh, Dewey. Richie is at the hospital and he's like, "They told me you were alone, so I came to check on you." And then he gets attacked by Ghostface. Yes. Um, Tara is injured still and has to wheelchair her way to potential safety, which is like super painful for her. Cause she got stabbed through the hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as <sighs> just as Ghostface is about to kill Tara, they st- call. Yeah, uh, Tara's phone and Ghostface picks up and basically says, "You can choose between Richie. Or you can choose between Tara."
1: Us not knowing that Richie is a Ghostface, I'm like, the answer is easy. It's kill Richie. I don't give a t- damn about that guy. Yeah, I don't. I don't Do you
0: think if they would have said kill Richie, that Amber would and who's in the costume at that point would have actually no. killed Richie? You don't think so? No, I think she would have. I think she totally would have, for the sake of believability. I think she would have double-crossed that guy, hands <laughs> down. Um, and
1: then we get the scene where they're, like, keeping him on the phone to stall time. They get there. Dewey shoots at the ghost face, but misses. And then there's, like, a whole, like, altercation. They grab Tara. They've got her. Uh, Richie, like, is coming. Dewey's like, I got this. He shoots the ghost Amber, fa- Amber in the costume. And this is where we're, like, Richie actually looks like oh shit.
0: Yeah, Richie gets up, looks at what's happening and has this like shocked look on his face which in our first viewing we We've- probably took that as well he just woke up from getting knocked out. But
1: now we are like oh no, his girlfriend Yeah, got like shot. this is
0: not going to Cuz like he's romantically involved
1: with Amber. Like yes. that's the whole which is kind of weird cuz he's kind of an adult and she's kind of in a high school. school. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um and then we get the scene where like okay, now we're le- we're we're leaving. Like Gail and uh, um, Sydney are there because Dewey has passed, and
0: uh, oh no! So Gail's upset. So Dewey has this heroic moment where he lets everybody else go and he stays behind to try to finish the job and Mm -hmm. shoot Ghostface in the head because they know, based on the rules, it's not over unless you go for the headshot. Yeah. Um, and as he's about to go for the headshot. His phone rings and then the ghost face killer stabs De- the crap out of Dewey I know. To, a, to a point where it was like the director's emphasizing he is not he is back. not getting up from this because Dewey has pretty much been in the same situation every Scream movie. And, like, and now no, we need to emphasize done. to the audience he is actually dead at this point. Yes. Very big emotional impact losing one of our main legacy characters. Um they Star Wars us, Brie. They yeah. Star Wars us. Force awakens us with Han Solo. <laughs> um so now Sydney is back in the fold and she wants to support and help Sam and Tara. And,
1: and Sam's just like, I don't wanna go after this killer. I just wanna take my sister and Which and- is
0: the most logical thing. Yeah, I don't want any character. Yeah, she's said. like,
1: I don't want to kill this these, this person. I just want to leave and make sure my sister's OK. Mm-hmm. And but unfortunately, what we get is she needs her inhaler. Tara needs her inhaler. She's to stop and get her backup inhaler from Amber's house. Yeah. Thus being lured into the final act of the movie,
0: which is at uh, Amber's house. It's a big party in Wes's honor for at Amber's house in which our entire main cast is there and our legacy characters are on their way. Sam and Tara and Richie are on their way. This is this is the My Bloody Valentine thing. It's like you got to get all your main cast in one small enclosed area at one time.
1: And then we have, like, everyone starts to get picked off, but not many people, like, die at this Well, they have a lot of conversation about, like you could
0: be the killer. You could, you got to be smart about this. You can be the killer. Yeah, like I Chad, don't wanna, Chad doesn't trust his girlfriend. Chad's like,
1: because his girlfriend wants to, you know, like go, go upstairs. upstairs. And he's like, um, I'm going to have to say no. And he's like been like all jazzed up about like being intimate with her. Cause yeah. they haven't had sex yet. And he's like, mm, I'm not going to, I'm going to say no. And she's like, what? Like, and he's like, well, I'm not 100% sure you're not Mindy, the killer. Mindy,
0: is, uh, Mindy Meeks is more like, you everybody needs to be on their toes anybody here can be the killer but she's also like not nobody in this movie is really taking it that seriously um i would
1: agree because she goes down with amber to the basement and that's like the stupidest i
0: told you in that scene with um sheriff hicks and Wes in the house when they're like very casually trying to get dinner together i was like you guys know that you are all being targeted by a serial killer <laughs> like, and you're just all like casually going about your day like no
1: like be, no I'm, be on
0: edge please be on edge
1: i'm like i would probably not i would lock a do- myself in a door like what I in thought. Like, house and just there's like, no sense
0: of urgency and and like none of these and i would use no electric besides- locks
1: i would use yeah regular deadbolts and I just don't think anybody
0: in this movie, aside from like Sam, Tara, Dewey, Gail, Sydney, are taking any of this seriously. And then what happens? Chad goes off by himself. He
1: gets stabbed. He gets
0: stabbed um, multiple times and kind of left for dead. And then uh, Mindy who's watching the original stab and we finally get like new scenes from stab to which I said, they should just release the entire right. They said
1: they really should.
0: Um, She's watching it and she is uh, killed, not killed, but attacked in a similar way to Randy being attacked in the first movie where he's sitting on the couch yelling at the TV. And then the ghost face killer appears behind Randy and, and stabs him. Same thing happens to Mindy. Um, however, now everybody is in the house at the same time. The party is dead. Everybody gets out except for our main cast members, and now they're all in the same room together. Yes. And they're trying to—they're arguing with each other. You're the killer. You're the killer. You're the killer. You're the killer. Until finally, what happens?
1: We get the killers here.
0: Yeah. Uh, Amber whips out a gun and just shoots chad's girlfriend in yes the head. She, she's just like, like screw this like she's i'm like, done i'm
1: done pretending here i'm just gonna pop up pop you off
0: so sydney and gail end up showing up after the, all of this altercation happens and everybody freaks out and runs in opposite directions and starts hiding and um sydney is like holy crap i recognize this house it's Stu Mocker's house from the first so like, movie. This is a trap. <laughs> She's like, This is a trap. They they wanted to get you there to this spot at this time for a reason. Like, this is a trap. And uh, I said, I forgot if they had explained why Amber it lives, lives just, in Stu Mocker's house. Her parents house. just bought the house. Her parents just bought the house. And she says at that point that that's what kickstarted her kind of obsession with the Stab movies. It makes sense. I buy it. Um. So now Sydney's in the house and gets a call from the ghost face killer mm-hmm. who's saying, like, it's an honor. Yeah, I, I didn't expect you here, but like, hey, we're going to end this thing and we're going to, you know, finish it. And she's like making fun of him. And uh, Sydney is so seasoned at this point that she knows how to get under the killer's skin more than the killer can get under her skin. Like she basically says, you're being cliche. We're in the same house. That's uncreative. That's unoriginal. And then hangs up on the ghost face killer, before he has a chance to finish his monologue. (laughs) And she keeps shooting through doors, too, because she knows people hide in in these closets and pop out and start to surprise people. She's been through it before. This is a smart legacy character who knows their way around this situation.
1: It doesn't help. But our legacy character does get stabbed.
0: She gets stabbed. Gail gets shot. Yeah. But they still... Overpower. Overpower. And then... Richie reveals himself to be the killer. Sam gets stabbed by Richie. And Richie says, they go on, the, and Amber, they both go on this large monologue about their motive. Mm-hmm. Um, we were giant fans of the Stab movies. And-, and we realized that it wasn't, the franchise was going south. So we met up on Reddit and we met each other and we decided to write our own Stab movie. What better way to get in better stab movie than by basing it off true events? So they were gonna blame, they were gonna pin it all on Sam as having this motive of being Billy Loomis's uh, daughter and going getting revenge for the loss of her dad, which they believed would make a better stab movie. Now, um, I was like after this? Sam's
1: like, how did you know that he was my dad? And they said your mom's the town drunk.
0: Yeah, like small town. Yeah, right? small like, town
1: and your mom's a drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, so then he goes to go grab Tara, right? but And so while he's going up to grab Tara, uh, Amber's the one keeping all Sam, Gail, and Sydney all in the kitchen. And he's like, he realizes she's gone. And that's when they make their move. Well, Richie kind of Richie like, at one point
0: tries to convince Sam that Tara's the killer, and I was yeah. like, she's like halfway crippled. How can she be the killer?
1: Anyway, like so now he left to go grab Tara. She's gone. That's when they start to make their move. There's a struggle, and that's when Amber gets set on fire.
0: So at first, she has this Amber has this fight with Gail and Sydney, in which she s- overpowers them for a little while, and then she gets smacked in the head with a jar of hand sanitizer and um, she starts trying to say oh I'm just a kid that wanted to be part of a club I was radicalized and they're like shut up and they shoot her into an open flame on the stove and the sanitizer lights on fire and she lights on fire and again this actress gets lit on fire yeah she has a very good job of being lit on fire so
1: then she is like a non-problem now
0: now it's Richie. now it's
1: richie and we're going through He's trying to... He's following Sam because he stabbed her. And so he's following the blood trail. And he's like, want to know something about these movies. Is like there's always a... There's never a uh, lack of a blood trail. And he finds like the closet that she's in. But she's ready to attack. Like she attacks him. They do a struggle. He drops the knife that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, He still has a gun. So. Yes. And then they struggle. They fall down the stairs together. She gets like that weird... Approving nod. Yeah, dead. She sees. She sees the
0: apparition of Billy, and Billy looks at the knife that's on the ground, and Sam goes for the knife, and then she just unloads. She stabs
1: the f out of Richie, and so stabbing through human like bodies is very exhausting. Like the action of stabbing, and so like anything after like a certain amount, like indicates like. Like, immense rage.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Like, you get angry from stabbing?
1: No, like, if you stab more than this amount of times, like, it's like a blind rage, kind of like...
0: Oh, okay. So, it's an in, it's in, an it's, indication that you're doing it out of rage.
1: But it's an indication that you're doing it, like, and you've kind of lost... Like, okay, yeah, it's like
0: uncontrollable. It's under
1: under control, uncontrollable. And she's doing it out of just self-preservation and she's just going at it. And she stabs the ever loving. But are we supposed
0: to assume that Sam has this like innate tendency to be violent because Billy is. her. No, she's
1: on antipsychotics. She probably has a like a mental like illness. Mm hmm. And it has nothing to do with who her father is. She just has mental illness. Do you think that's going to come into play in the next movie that Maybe. like she
0: stabbed the ever loving fuck out of him? So like
1: she's probably dealing with some sort of PTSD. Yeah. Um, then they make sure to shoot him in the head just so he can't come back. Mm-hmm. And we get like, this is the end of the movie. We have our Sydney is fine. Gail is fine makes it out. Sam and Tara are fine. They're
0: in the ambulance. Like our, the Meeks, the Meeks twins are, are they're fine.
1: fine. But now everybody else is like we have this is our final cast. Yes. At the end. Yeah. Everyone else is passed.
0: I remember seeing the movie for the first time and I was a little disappointed at how many cast members they actually left alive for the next movie. But now as I rewatched it, I'm reflecting on it and I'm saying I think that's a good thing.
1: We need this one that we're going to go see in an hour and a half to <laughs> be like it could be the final movie. Yes. Like that is the goal. Like every movie should feel like it's could be the final movie in the last. And this one didn't. Right. It this one still,
0: felt like they were for sure going to make a yeah, new movie with because the Because too cast. many
1: people were left alive.
0: hmm. Yeah. So that's it. That's Scream 2022 um, overall Brie i liked it think? not
1: my favorite movie but you looked at
0: it i, asked I you said it's yesterday. about it's
1: about the same as when i first saw it and you thought it where was better
0: you, what, as of the rankings right now from what you remember from the previous scream movies how would you rank them
1: i don't know i can't really do that I'll go
0: one two five four three i
1: can't even do that one two weird.
0: five four three and we'll see where six ranks okay. in a little bit um, okay, so why don't we um, start wrapping this? How thing
1: scary? Off. How scary was it, Anthony?
0: On my scary scale,
1: there is a part of this. Okay, so I think it ranks. Uh, what do we give? Um, my bloody Valentine got a three point two. I think this is probably a four or five. There are moments in this where it's just like scary to watch because of like the like the crunchy munchy. Bone parts. Oh like when break. he steps on yeah. her ankle. And like and the like the knife going through the neck. So like a four point five I would say. I would say.
0: I think the concept of scream is so innately scary though. It's just like it can be oh, yeah. any, it can be any
1: one I of would us. be interested to see We're how all th-
0: trying to find the guy who did this. <laughs>
1: i'm in the hot dog costume (laughs) (laughs)
0: um i'm gonna go with 5.3
1: oh that's higher than me yeah
0: i'm gonna go a little higher how good is it i'm also gonna
1: well i'm gonna go for like a 6.9 i think it's a pretty good movie
0: yeah i'm gonna go 6.9 as well
1: it was a good movie
0: i'm gonna go 6.9 i think that's a good um, it's no my we
1: gave bloody my bloody valentine eight because that was good that was good
0: Oh yeah, I really enjoyed my bloody Valentine. I Valentine's know.
1: Time. I'm glad that I had to see that for the first time.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, are we ready to? to We're wrap ready to up wrap here? it up because and we got to go watch a we movie. Got, we, yeah, we got to get on our. We way We actually have movie.
1: to go like right now. Yes.
0: Um. So <laughs> social media non-existent right now, but you can follow me. I'm on working Twitter.
1: on it because I have I have a student teacher right now, so I have my whole day is just like boring and boring and boring. So I plan on reinvigorating our social media because i created my teacher social media sites so those are already done so now the next logical step is to get our um podcast social media rolling and i'll be posting regularly on there just like pictures of me and anthony
0: watching movies watching
1: movies so like there'll be a lot of (laughs) popcorn and like little treats that i might make and maybe i'll post recipes like i used to yeah breeze
0: treats breeze treats (laughs) um okay so you can follow me on Twitter if you need to at GLDTV1. You can rate us five stars wherever you get your podcast. Join us next week as we uh, go into the sequel, Scream 6 from 2023. Um, signing off for the How Scary Is It podcast. My name's Anthony. And I'm Bree. And we'll be back next week. Come join us.
1: Bing, bing, bing.